On today's episode of The Breakaway, presented by U.S. Bank, we give you a quick preview of the El Paso match coming up on Saturday, and a big one for the Republic, looking to get another three points, coming off the victory from Las Vegas. And then, it is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and we talk to UC Davis Health Marcio Malagalaukin. Dr. Malagalaukin gives some inspiring conversation and talks about childhood cancer um, and some incredible, incredible improvements we've seen over the past three decades. So we get to talk to him about that, and uh, he has a couple of really, really cool quotes that uh, gave me chills when interviewing him last week. So excited for you guys to hear that. But first, on this financial timeout brought to you by U.S. Bank, we're talking about the home buying process. Once all your ducks are in a row credit-wise, it's time to assemble your dream team. You, your real estate agent, and your lender are that dream team. You've always wanted to be a part of a dream team, right? Finding the right real estate agent means finding someone you trust and are comfortable working with. Feel free to interview several people to find the right fit. You can find them on sites online, or you can also ask your friends and family for referrals. Your lender should have a good reputation, offer multiple loan options, and originate your loan in the state where you want to buy. Now that you know who's who of your home buying team, stay tuned for more home buying tips from U.S. Bank Equal Housing Lender, member FDIC. At Oak Grove Charter School, our students chase their dreams. Student advance at their own pace. EGCS offers flexible schedules, small class sizes, and accelerated learning in a fully accredited learning environment. We help students balance their academic goals while pursuing their passions in club sports, performing arts, entrepreneurship, and much, much more. Elk Grove Charter School is now enrolling. Learn more by going to egcs.egusd.net or give us a call at 916-714-1653. We're confident our students will astound you. All right, let's do it. Welcome to The Breakaway, a Sacramento Republic podcast. Bandit in the box! Unbelievable strike! My goodness, what a defensive play! Half the crowd can't even believe it! I want to start off today's episode kind of clarifying something that I said on Tuesday's episode with Kevin Goldthwaite. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, go back and listen to it. Um... Great episode learning uh, about what Sacramento can do from Kevin Goldthwait, former MLS star. Gives great, great insight. Obviously, was on the broadcast, so he talked a lot about the things he's liked that he's seen over the past month or so from Sacramento. Okay, we were talking about El Paso and a team that is near the top of the table in their division. Uh, in the Mountain Division, they are in first place, 42 points. Um, and, they, of course, they are... 10 points ahead of anybody else in the Mountain Division. And don't get me wrong, they are a very good team. I I said that I wasn't too nervous or scared about playing them. Um, and what I meant to say, and I guess I said it a little out of context, it was compared to other teams who are atop of the table. If you look at Phoenix, of course, top of the Pacific, the Central Division, Louisville City, who's been very, very good, Tampa Bay Rowdies, Pittsburgh Riverhounds, Atlantic, um, both teams at the top of, of that division. Uh, just the division strength isn't as tough as these other divisions. So being atop of that division isn't quite as impressive. That is what I meant to say. I should have gave it a little more context. Um, but I do think this is an opportunity for Sacramento to match up with a team outside their division um, who you know, can show, hey, if you can say the fifth best team in the division, right now that's what Sacramento is. I don't think that's where they'll end up. Fifth best team in the Pacific Division can beat the top team in the Mountain Division. Then that shows the Mountain Division is far far worse than the Pacific Division. Um, 
coming off of El Paso, they just drew with Orange County on uh, September 3rd. That was last match. I want to talk a little bit about what to expect from uh, El Paso uh, because the locomotive, which, by the way, is a hilarious name. Um, it's one of my favorites. Used to be the Tulsa Roughnecks. That was my favorite uh, name in the USL. Uh, they obviously are now FC Tulsa. Probably a smart rebrand, in my opinion. Um, but El Paso, a team that um, is pretty solid throughout. I think we'll see a 4-5-1. That's what we saw against Orange County's 4-3-3. Um, and they have a number of players who are dangerous um, in the 2-2 draw. Uh, they maintain possession 53.5% of the time. And even though they took less shots than Orange County, they had more on target. They had, they had three. Obviously, two of those were goals. Player to watch for me, and it's it's pretty straightforward, is the 29-year-old striker, Luis Solinac, because he's got seven goals on the year. He's uh, top of the team as far as creating chances. Uh, he's creative in the final third, and he's incredibly dangerous. And I think uh, for Sacramento to be successful in this match, they have to keep an eye on him. Uh, we, we've seen him score uh, big goals for El Paso this year, um, and it's another opportunity uh, in this match. He, was in, he is 7 on the year so far. I'm trying to see where he ranks in the Western Conference. He is 11th, 20th, I believe, overall. Um, and not only that, he has an opportunity, it seems like in every match, if you go back and look, uh, where he has an opportunity to score goals. So he's a guy who Sacramento's got to be focused on. they got They got to know that he's their guy they go to. He's taken 29 shots this year. And uh, it's an opportunity if they can shut him down. I just, I mean, he is their main guy in attack that I think that Sacramento needs to key in on. I think that's the 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 main focus for Sacramento is if I think that they can stop him, they have a really good opportunity. But the other person you got to keep an eye on is Luna because he, out on the left wing, uh, is also dangerous. And I and if you really focus on those two guys, I think Sacramento can be successful. We've seen the attack for the Republic get much better in the last few weeks personnel wise um, bringing in Cuello I think has been a huge help when we've seen Cuello and Panagos pair together uh, it has been incredibly successful wasn't sure how I felt about seeing Foster up top last match um, but it felt like it was one of those instances where um, Sacramento just needed to get him some more minutes and if you play him on the wing he's gonna have to track back a lot and I think that uh, he wasn't quite ready to do that for a full match um, so when you start him out front, uh, that's kind of one of the issues that I saw uh, for Sacramento. And, and you know, you kind of pair him with Cam Iwasa as well. Iwasa kind of played like right underneath him in that situation, and Foster has great speed. I just don't know if that's a natural position for him. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that same formation, um, except we see Kisavetter up top. That wouldn't be. I would not be surprised if we saw that. I don't know that for sure. Uh, Belmar came off the bench. Obviously, Chavez had an unbelievable goal. Um, and Nabi, I thought, played pretty well at center back. We'll see if Sargis, who was in the 18 last match, we'll see if he's in the 11 uh, in place for Kevin Gucci on this match. And, of course, Luis Felipe, team of the week. This guy, uh, he came in. We talked about him as a defensive mid. He's been very good in the attack. And then Jaime Villarreal, who we talked about with Kevin Goldthwait on Tuesday, uh, he just has been really, really good since coming into the lineup. Uh, as far as the outside backs, so we saw Luqua 
play a little bit further forward against the Galaxy. They moved uh, Gomez from right back to left back and then McCrary in it right back. And I actually thought that was pretty successful. Um, we did not see Gomez last match. But, of course, a lot of matches, short period of time. you got to be careful. This is such a big match. You obviously want to make sure you have your guys well-rested. But it's a really important one. So we'll see who it does. Sacramento uh, does puts in their 11. I just wouldn't be surprised if you saw a whole lot of changes. Um, again, I think Foster will not be in the 11. I could be wrong. That would just be my guess. Um, but it's a big opportunity here. It feels like they're starting to find their best 11. They're getting close. And it's not really an 11. It's more of a 13. Multiple guys can switch out. We've seen them play around formationally with uh, up top specifically. And with uh, their, their attacking midfielders with Cuello and Panagos, both of those guys uh, have been successful. And I think um, when you see, we saw a lot of halftime changes, obviously, because of the, the energy. One of the things that Belmar has done that I don't think has gotten him enough credit for is he seems like he brings energy every single match. If he can get a little wider, which I think you know Kevin Goldthway talked about that, if he gets wider, it's a it seems like that is where Sacramento can begin to whip balls in, and the width stretching out that that back line, uh, I think Sacramento can find some holes. So I'm just looking forward to seeing who they roll out there. Mark Briggs has some choices to make. And if i I just been really impressed with Kisa Vetter. I mean, Awasa's been playing well too, and I think pairing those guys together maybe could be a key to unlocking even more in the attack in the final third. Defensively, it's just not making simple mistakes, and that's been the key for Sacramento. They've given up a lot of simple goals just from communications to um, not being able to clear a ball last match. And that's the things. If they clean up, they're in they're in great shape. So I think those things going into the El Paso match are the things to focus on. Um, and it should be a good one. And it and it's an important, important match for Sacramento, as they all are, right, in a playoff hunt. Cannot come in with no energy. We saw them do that against Vegas in the first half. Um, however, complete change of team in the second half. I'm still waiting to see both n- both halves, 90 minutes, full energy, full mentality um, from this team. And when they can do that, I- I'll have real, real confidence that they can not only make the playoffs, uh, but make a deep run. Okay, we'll take a break. We'll come back, and we will talk to Dr. Maliganowski. Hey, Breakaway fans. Shout out to our friends at Suncrest Bank who not only believe that local matters, they prove it with their support of Sac Republic. When you think about the struggles we've endured over the past year and a half, it's good to know that Suncrest Business Recovery Center is at the backs of local businesses the entire time with PPP, SBA, and agribusiness loans. They're here for the long haul, ensuring our community not only survives, but thrives. Suncrest Bank is where Central Valley turns for personal and business banking needs. Visit any one of their seven locations or online at suncrestbank.com. You can also call them at 916-830-3560 and speak to a Suncrest business account representative today. That's 916-830-3560. And hey, give us an assist. Tell them Connor Sutton sent you. Go Republic. Go Suncrest Bank. The bank where local matters. An equal housing lender. Member FDIC. All right, ladies and gentlemen, excited to have our guest on today uh, talking about things a little more important than soccer uh, we're talking about childhood cancer awareness, as it is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. We have Dr. Marcio from UC Davis Health. Dr. M, how are you? Thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you, Connor. It's a pleasure being here today, and I'm excited to discuss something that I'm, another thing I'm very passionate about besides soccer, that is pediatric cancer. 
Well, I know it's uh, it's a it's a uh, conversation that is can, can sometimes be tough, right? I know that you obviously have to deal with um, you know with kids who who are you know um, on the verge of of you know dying and and dealing with the recoveries. And I know there's a lot of different aspects of it, but I want to ask you, you know, how do you do it every day? having to tell families, having to tell kids and then, or maybe you get, you just, you know, pick the rewards of, all right, this, this family, this kid, you know, beat cancer and moved on. How, how is that for you? Well, um, I, I think the first thing I have to uh, make sure that people understand uh, pediatric cancer has changed tremendously. Even in the past 37 years that I've been working with it, uh, survival has improved tremendously. So nowadays, I can tell you that close to 90% of all children diagnosed with cancer will survive. And that for me is fantastic. I started, you know, as I said, 37 years ago, and it was about 65, 68%. So just in three, almost four decades, I've seen a tremendous difference. And that difference makes me want to wake up every day and get to 100 well, that's incredible, and I'm and I'm excited to, to hear that. But we know that there are some, you know, stats from childhood cancer, and there's some. Are, are, I, I guess what I'm wondering is, are there any, you know, statistics that can kind of put in play? You kind of just gave me one, which is a great one. That's a huge positive one. Are there any other statistics and maybe some warning signs for for parents trying to figure out, you know, could this be a problem? How how can you, you know, prevent this? Absolutely. I I think uh, the first important statistic is that people need to understand that pediatric cancer is extremely rare uh, and nobody should be thinking, oh, my God, my child has cancer. We need to work things through before we get there. You know, there is about one and a half million people uh, diagnosed with cancer in this country per year, and only one percent of those are in the pediatric category. So about 15,000 children are diagnosed with cancer per year. Um, why is that important? One is that is rare. So the majority of the pediatricians, the caregivers never see one or they see one every five to seven years. So what I'd like to tell the families is that, you know, don't go thinking the worst all the time. But if the symptoms persist, if the symptoms start getting uh, worse with time, that's the time where you need to seek your pediatrician, your uh, family practice doctor and discuss and say, could anything more serious be happening with my child? Not all little lumps, not all little bruises are signs of cancer, but if they persist, they worsen, that's the time where you have to start thinking about uh, the diagnosis of cancer. How tough are some of these kids uh, who are indomitable, as we <laughs> call it, uh, with sacrophobia? How indomitable are some of these kids who, who are diagnosed with cancer and have to go through the treatments and the process, um, you know, to, to fight their fight for their lives and to, um, you know, as you mentioned, ninety percent of uh, survive now, but you know, they still it's still not an easy fight. So I don't need Marvel heroes. 
I see heroes every single day in my practice. Those uh, children and adolescents are just fantastic. Their attitude are just amazing. They're positive, they are energetic. They just want to be normal children, normal adolescents. And those are the heroes. Those are the people that uh, make us want to get up every morning and keep on working. Wow, I love it. What a great, that's a great line. We have, that has, we have to use that a lot, right? <laughs> Actually, this was the first time with the Marvel heroes. Wow. <laughs> that, was, that was incredible. Okay, um, I want to ask you a little bit about UC Davis Comprehensive Cancer Center. What makes you know your team and that center so successful, so great, um, and, and doing what you guys do best, which is you know curing cancer? I think the the most important thing to remind why UC Davis is such a fantastic place is that we are part of your family. We are part of the community. Um, you know, we are a great hospital with great doctors, great support but we believe we are part of your family. Our philosophy in pediatric hematology oncology is that we treat all our patients the way we would like our own children to be cared for. So by doing so, uh, every child that walks in, every family that walks in are part of our family. So why UC Davis is because you, we are in your community, we are part of your family. I mean, I love that. I love that so much. And I, and I know that uh, you guys obviously do fantastic work and seeing, I imagine seeing, you know, a child go through this initially, probably shocked, family shocked, and then to beat it, I imagine seeing and having them ring the bell, which is such a cool, cool um, moment, right? Can you, can you give me some, like a couple of stories, you don't have to name names, but of, uh, of some ringing the bell moments with kids and their families? Oh, it's, you know, those are our rewards, Connor. You know, everybody mentioned, oh, it's so sad what you do. How can you do that? We do because, first of all, it's an honor for us to be able to take care of these children, to be part of their families. But uh, when you see those kids running down the aisle towards the bell, and as you said, is the end of therapy bell, and they ring the bell and there is all that joy and that party the family and friends are celebrating that's the reason why we do what we do you know we don't control who will get to ring the bell but every single one that uh, rings the bell make us remember why we wake up in the morning and come to uc davis to care for these children and families can you take me through maybe the process of, you know, from start to finish, how, you know, how, you know, diagnosis to hopefully cure, how, how long it takes? I mean, obviously it's, it's case by case, I would assume, sure. um, you know, kind of the steps of, you know, that you guys have to go through for every single patient. Sure. Um, you know, the, the first thing that happens is that dreadful encounter when we meet the family and we have to sit down with them and let them know that yes we think that your child may have cancer and these are the steps that we need to uh, take in order to confirm yes it is cancer what kind of cancer 
and once that is done, we have to sit down with the family, talk about what does it mean to have cancer, what does it mean to have that particular cancer, and what do we need to do uh, to fight, to go it away, and hopefully never ever come back. As part of the discussion, we have to address every single uh, possible negative details. So it could be very scary. Our first uh, two or three uh, encounters with a family that you don't know, um, it's very scary because we have to give all those bad news and yet uh, give the sense of hope, the sense of reality, and remind them that you know, there is 90% chance that a child could survive. Not for everybody, obviously, because as you mentioned, there are many different cancers and many extent of diseases. But uh, step by step, we talk about the diagnosis, we talk about prognosis and treatment, and we pretty much hold their hands throughout the period. And that period can be a couple of months to a couple of years until they're done with therapy and the pathway to survivorship. That's incredible. And I know for, for you and for your staff, I imagine, like you, you've mentioned throughout this interview many times, is you get up every day because, um, you know, you want to save more lives. You want to help other kids. Um, is there, I mean, is that, is that, are there any other rewards for you or reasons why you do it? You mentioned trying to get that 90% survival rate to 100%. Um, but I imagine sometimes it is tough, right? For you and and your staff and everybody at UC Davis Health, I mean, how how do you you know handle some of those tougher instances? <laughs> so the first thing I will correct you is that yes, survivorship and saving lives is the ultimate goal. But what we really want is just to help the families and the patients to go through this very dreadful diagnosis. As I said, we don't know who is going to survive, who is not, but. Um, you know, is that intimate relationship between us and the children, between us and the patients, between us and the family, and that trust that the parents put on our hands that is magical. You know, there is nothing, nothing, no better reward that I can get than the trust from a parent with their children. I was thinking about um, earlier when you were talking about, you know, seeing someone hit the bell at the end of the uh, meaning that they're cancer free. And I have to imagine I've watched TV shows and everything and you see that moment on TV shows and it's, and it's like an unbelievable moment. I'd have to imagine that uh, that might be better than scoring a professional soccer goal or winning a championship. And every single time that happens, it's gotta be truly one of the best <laughs> in the world. Don't you think? Oh, I totally think. And you know, when I, uh, to just talking with you, I'm looking at those images that you see in TV whenever there is those big events and those balloons and the uh, flags and the uh, ribbons falling down. And the reality is, is that ringing that bell is bigger than any one of those. Uh, they are important, don't get me wrong, is scoring a goal and uh, winning a championship. Those are tremendous. But being done with your therapy, making sure that you survive the therapy and that you have your life ahead of you, that is really the real celebration. And I'm honored to be part of it so many times.
Well, uh, this has just been excellent. I, uh, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for everything that you do. You are uh, truly a, a hero in our community um, and helping, you know, kids going through some of the hardest things they can go through um, and, and helping them through that. You and, and your staff and everyone over at UC Davis Health Pediatric Center uh, is, is incredible. So thank you so much. And uh, I, I look forward to, uh, to some cool stuff we're going to do here in uh, Childhood Cancer Awareness. Well, thank you very much. I'm so privileged that I can work with uh, the children that I love and that I have the support of uh, the sport that I like the most, that is soccer. As you know, I'm Brazilian, and there is nothing more passionate to us uh, than soccer and my profession. So thank you very much for all the support, and thank you for everybody for giving us this support for Pediatric Cancer Month. Yeah, it's going to be great. Are you coming out to the to that big match? Oh, yeah, I'm planning to. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yes, looking forward to it. We will see you then, and thank you again. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Our thanks to U.S. Bank for being the presenting partner of this podcast. Our thanks to Dr. Malaganowski for joining us on today's episode. And we thank you, the listeners, for supporting. Please rate, review, and follow. Let others know about this podcast if you love it. If you don't, uh, maybe not. Just, just shoot me an email. Tell me why. I don't know. All right. Big match coming up this weekend, El Paso on the road, and what is likely to be not an easy match. So the boys got to bring it and kick off set for 6.30 p.m. because of the time change on ESPN Plus, KQCA, My 58 Estrella TV at Southwest University Park on September 11th. So obviously an important day for our country um, in one way. Uh, you can spend the day is to watch your Sac Republic take on El Paso Locomotive FC. All right, 6.30 p.m. ESPN Plus, KQCMI 58, Estrella TV. And uh, right now, we need it. As always, go Republic.